Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. It's Jordan and Matt here. No Tom today. I think he's just too disgusted with the last week of Watford activity after a somewhat surprising victory over Bristol. Watford uh, firmly re-established their usual awfulness with back-to-back defeats against Cardiff midweek and then Hull on Saturday. But uh, Jordan, I don't know how you've managed to join me, but you've, you've plucked up the courage to come and talk about these games. <laughs> Yeah, we've made it. I guess we didn't talk about the Cardiff game, did we? Oh, no, we God. didn't. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll have to have more of a general theme of conversation rather than uh, going through the painstaking individuals of both of them, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I'm, we somehow somehow made it here. It's a, a shame Tom's not here just to kind of dilute the, the pain a little bit, but we will persist. Indeed, indeed. Let's start with the Cardiff one and then we can get out of the way and, and then move on to the hot game. In preparation for this one, take yourself back a week here, Jordan. The mood, which has been pretty dire for the majority of this season, lifted ever so slightly after the Bristol City victory and a few people thought, oh, is there a chance? Could we maybe squeak into the playoffs? I don't think anyone believed that we deserved it for a second, but the way that the results went, it looked like there was a possibility. We had a home game against Cardiff City, you know, a team that hasn't particularly been pulling up trees this season. And we thought, maybe just maybe and even if you are joining the game maybe a couple of minutes late you're like hang on a second Watford are, uh, are doing well here and we score, we score the first goal Jordan yeah I mean that's the thing it's the, the the could over would situation that really it felt like we we're in you know the, the potential there and it just seemed that we've we've been in a situation before with relegation battles and you know it's, it's one of those options or sorry one of those situations where the footballing gods just keep throwing you a lifeline after lifeline, and we just keep throwing it back at them. It seems, um, yeah, it, it was a good start in a sense. We obviously got the lead early on, and then just complete real capitulation from there. It was it was extremely poor. You know, dominated the ball, had a lot, but really, even in that second half, we didn't threaten at all. We had to kind of fight back into it to keep our season alive, and there was very little threat. So. Yeah, it's extremely disappointing. Um, we, we didn't take our opportunity at all. No, we didn't. And um, Chris Wilder, after the game, was absolutely scathing. Absolutely mm. scathing. Most of it um, related to the fact that we played as a team, in his opinion, for 10 or 15 minutes or so, and then decided to play more individually. Um, do you want to break down what he's 
trying to say there, Jordan, from from a, an analytical view? Did, did you see anything that sort of backs up what you're saying? I mean, we've seen it all season to an extent. Um, these games are really tough to kind of break down with any real um, point to them because they're just so scattered and such a mess. But yeah, I think, you know, what, what Chris Wilder was trying to say, which I, I don't disagree with, is that you can see there's an individualism to this, to this side. There's... Um, there's a lack of cohesion, which we've seen across various managers now. And, you know, uh, on the other hand, there is the manager's job to kind of find that within them too. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he pointed out, I think the example, the example he used, the centre forward kind to pick the ball up off the defenders. And, you know, you could really make an argument for whether he's talking about Davis or Pedro there. But let's, let's just say he's talking about Pedro. That's something we've seen, again, across numerous managers. And it's, if it's not instructed for him or if he's not kind of told that he has the freedom to do so, it's disappointing and it shows there's a just a, a real lack of discipline to the side. And it comes across defensively, but also offensively too. There's no structure, there's no pattern. Uh, and we've seen it all season. So, you know, those comments are probably the most entertaining or engaging three minutes of the the entire evening, actually. Um yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Chris Wilder is somewhat controversial and especially the way he approaches things and the way he discusses things. I know there's been a few in the media that have kind of spoken out against those comments and mm. a lot of the fans have also been um, on Chris's side. And I think what it is for, for Watford fans in general, I think the fact that someone is speaking with a level of disdain um, and what would appear as honesty um, uh, regarding the, the squad that he has at his disposal and... It's a sort of frustration which is being let out. We've we wanted to see that from the players, and we're now just kind of seeing it from the manager. I think it it is something that the fans are kind of willing to cling on to and and agree with. Yeah, Simon Jordan uh, from Talksport, the the former Palace owner, was heavily critical of um, Chris Wilder's comments. Yeah, he went off on the you know I wouldn't want him managing my club, and I think Simon Jordan is you know uh, there's a lot can be said about Simon Jordan as well, but. Whilst I don't necessarily agree with what he was saying, I can see the the the, the point that he's making. I don't think it's an in, completely invalid one. I, I don't think by any means that Chris Wilder has been faultless through his time here. Um, there's definitely been negative aspects of his tenure, and I think this is maybe not something which enhances his own reputation making those sorts of comments. But purely as a fan, it's somewhat good to see, and it's, it's good to see someone publicly sticking it to the owner, who's obviously come under a lot of criticism from the fan base, but under previous head coaches they, they were never in a position where they were able to say much uh publicly but Chris Wilder seemingly doesn't care um and, and will happily do so because by you know making that jab at the playing staff he is by extension is is also criticizing the ownership and the and the team that put that that group together so yeah I mean it's kind of airing our laundry a bit and I'm not against that it's kind of base level mm. some of the comments that uh that he said that I found quite interesting he said when we went one nil up you might have seen i got a message on to hamza um to say nobody changes the script just do what we're doing keep doing it keep moving the ball keep opening him up and finding the spaces but he goes on to say that uh, and then all of a sudden it just went off plan but wherever he's been wherever he's going to go next he tries to build a team he's never stopped individuals doing creative aspects for the team fabulous ball from imran great knockdown by davis tapping for Sar. that was a great team goal and then all of a sudden everybody wanted to flick it and do their own thing people are playing out of position hitting crossfield balls and you lose your rhythm quickly because you say to the opposition there you go there's an opportunity to get back into the game and they took it we gave daft free kicks away and we couldn't defend set pieces uh where we had the game after 15 minutes was perfect but then everybody in the ground saw what happened 
and so did the opposition. We just went bop over to you boys, go and score three goals. It's regardless of shape or this and that. It's about people doing their individual jobs and doing it for the team. The team is the star. The team is what people want to come and see. It happened against Wigan. It happened against Huddersfield. It happened against Coventry. I think what he's saying, long story of that is it's, it's for kind of an overused term, it's the basics, isn't it? It's setting a, a, a level of competitiveness in not just in, in, in terms of, you know, winning the ball back, but just in terms of discipline and, um, you know, retention of the ball. Yeah. But also how are you going to use it? Um, positional discipline, um, offensive discipline. There's just, we just, we just fell apart. And, and that's what really seems to be the, the weak point for us. You know, it's extremely disappointing. And I, I do still think Chris Wilder has to have some accountability there too, but um, what he's saying, I think, clearly comes across in the pitch. I think you watch enough of Watford this season, you see it as um, as almost part of the the DNA of this squad. Is they they just lack um, they lack that composure, they lack that discipline discipline in crucial times. And you know, this is a prime example. You you're gonna go ahead quite early with a, a well worked goal, showing some quality, but you know it's undone because you just aren't able to to compete elsewhere and i thought you know some of the defending was poor some of the attacking was poor um uh, and, and yeah it resulted in, in in three goals conceded in that first half which which ended the game we didn't have enough about us in the second half to really even trouble cardiff and and look like we we're going to come back and it's that's been that story the majority of the scene as well whenever watford's gone down jordan i don't think anyone believes that we have the ability to get back into the game I don't. I don't recall no. how many times this season we've actually come from behind. Uh, if yeah, t- if I mean, Thomas, I'm like, sure he'd like, give me a stat right now. <laughs> I, it's like the players. It's like the players almost accept the the story. Accept the stories written and lose interest. There's no. There's no. There's no spirit in this group. There's no kind of feeling of belief or. You can almost see. You can almost see the blame not being on the individual, and that's enough for them. And that's just it. That's stunned them. There's no. There's no willingness to. To try and turn things around, you know. There's, we, as I said, we had seventy four percent of the ball. You know, we controlled that, but we still only had three shots on target the whole game. It's not. It's not a team that are really forcing things and, and looking to play and build momentum. It's just a, kind of going through the motions. Um, just poor yeah this is really difficult to to look much further than that you can only really start breaking things down and uh, and talking about kind of specific you know granular things if the the bases are covered and, and you know you're playing to a to a competitive standard of the level that you're in but we're not i mean you look at the tom tweeted during the week and it's you know it's very illuminating you look at the last 15 games you know, right at the bottom right down the bottom of the table 20th i think and the last six or so even lower so we're playing at a very poor standard right now with some individuals of quality, but some very average players as well. And it's just not, it's not anywhere near the expectations that were set at the, begin- at the beginning of the season by, you know, an ownership and, and you know, higher ups in the club that, that deemed this a poor quality championship and thought that we had a, a squad capable of competing. That just show, shows to, shows to everyone really the, the inability to not just assess the league, but also assess the assets they had at the disposal and the quality of the group as a collective, not just a, a group of individuals, which we've seen. Mm. So that game was um, was was hard to watch and it, it pretty much killed off any ambition uh, or hope, really is the better word, that, that some fans had of Watford still getting into the mix. Um, but obviously games... Had we won that game though, sorry, we would have been two points off playoffs 
coming into the game against Hull, which yeah. is the insane thing. Yeah, it's crazy. That was, that was a performance of a team that could have kept their season alive and, you know, hopes of uh, Premier League football alive with that. Yeah. Uh, sadly, wasn't to be. Although I'm not sure if, you know, that team could have done much in the playoffs, but, it, uh, you know, you have to get there first before you, you know the answer to that one. So we headed up the M1 towards Hull City. Uh, quite a difficult place to get to, actually. I, I, I applaud the fans that went. I think there was about 600-odd that went up there. A slightly better performance, Jordan, but to be honest, it not not a great deal better. There really wasn't that level that, that we needed to see, the the bounce after a, such a disappointing result uh, at home to Cardiff. Um, a few changes for this one. Um, and surprisingly, Capacelli was, was back. Did you think that was a, a surprise move? No, I think Hoot was awful against Cardiff. Um, I think that was I think that was a direct tactical change just because of the performance from from Hoot in the previous game. He made the bench, and, and I think that was just a, a switch that, that Wilder saw fit. I thought it was justified. And look, I don't. I'm not. I'm by no means a fan of Christian Cabaselli, especially at this point. Um, but uh, I thought Hoot was poor against Cardiff, and, and quite on a couple of occasions. And I think it was a warranted change. You know, if, if you're talking about dropping players that that didn't play well. Not, I mean, you can't drop everyone necessarily, but drop some some individuals. I'd say Hoot was up there, and I guess Cavas said he was the natural switch. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was. I mean, Cavas <laughs> I thought was poor in this one as well, but I I, I get why it happened. Mm. Someone who hasn't been poor but has featured lately for Watford is the is the youngster Andrews. Um, unfortunately for him, he didn't have the best of games, and um, ultimately ended up conceding a penalty yeah i mean it's, it's kind of it, you saw it as it was happening cabaselli with a poor clearance which just leads to put like puts us under more pressure and just as we're looking to start and kind of get out of that of that pressure poor clearance ball goes comes back at us and yeah andrew dives in and you know it's a bit of a rash challenge but those things happen the clearance for me from cabaselli is the one that's just completely avoidable and you'd, you'd think that a player that's been here almost a decade would have would be capable of of doing a little better with it but you know these are the, these are the standards this is where we're at right now so these are the things that unfortunately we've come to expect and yeah the penalty um i think it was their only shot of the game yeah and scored by uh odds Tufan as well which kind of rubbed mm -hmm. a little bit of salt into the wound not that he had a particularly good game but uh, he has been scoring for them uh of late hasn't he and um yeah i suppose he had a point to prove look i mean i, I thought hull were poor I, I thought we were poor i thought hull were poor it was just a bad game. You know, we weren't, we didn't maybe, maybe make as many individual errors in this one, but I didn't think Hull were much of a threat either. So it's also a case of the, the opponent wasn't maybe as challenging for us in defensive positions. So on the surface, it looks like we came through a little better, but, you know, real no real improvement in terms of performance for me in, in regards to the fact that if you're, if you're performing below a certain level, even a, a marginal improvement, in that depth of, of poor quality is not enough to, to really warrant much uh, much praise. And I think we were we were quite abject again and just not just nowhere near we want to be and nowhere near we should be still. Watford with um ten shots in the game, but um only two on target. But the, they they had decent chances in that game that they they perhaps should have taken. Yeah, there are a couple. You know, we should have we should have done better. I think we were we were unlucky ourselves not to get a penalty. I, I do I do believe that. But um, it's 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 just it's. I think we're at the point where we kind of can't really talk about luck and 
you know some of that some of those conversions that, that maybe should have happened it's not we're not creating enough chances we're not being dominant enough to really give ourselves a consistently good chance of winning games and uh, i thought this is just another example even though it was that it wasn't quite as bad it was still poor I, I don't think it was good um yeah i don't leave that one feeling much better about about where the team is at all do, do you feel do you feel any better after that game yourself or um i've come to the point where i'm just i'm, I'm trying to find reasons why i should carry on watching these this, these remaining games of the season and basically it's coming down to the fact that i've got to talk about it afterwards in a podcast because <laughs> yeah because i just i have i've got no uh desire to want to watch any more of this mm-hmm. of this team and it's it's, yeah. it's it really is uh depressing to think of it like that but um it's becoming like a chore to 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 sit down and and try and um and try and watch this team that isn't a team play some football and ultimately disappoint me. So <laughs> yeah, well that's just yeah. I mean that's just it, isn't it? That is that is where we find ourselves so often. And you know that second half in the games. I'm just looking just looking through some of the numbers now. It wasn't. You know, Ismay Lassar with a, a shot from outside the box in the 83rd minute was our best opportunity. And from an expected goal standpoint, everything else was just low quality, poor efforts. Um, they weren't really testing anything. And, you know, Hull themselves, apart from a, a shot from 30 yards out that was blocked, hardly uh, hardly threatening either. So, yeah, it's difficult to stay motivated uh, when you, you know, even as a fan, staying motivated to watch this team. And as, as you kind of touched on at the beginning, cr- credit to the guys and girls that went and watched this live and travelled to to Hull to see this one because there was not a ton of motivation for a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, difficult. I think I'm looking forward to. I think a lot of us are looking forward to, to to be able to watch some football with a little bit of hope and expectation and. Um, even just getting towards the end of the season, we can start looking ahead to next year and seeing if we can we can figure this thing out because there's a hell of a lot of work to be done and it needs to get started as soon as possible. What for fans that did tune in were hopeful in the main, I think, of seeing some young talent get an opportunity now that it's you know basically over in terms of contention for the playoffs. But they they didn't really get to see anyone, um, to be honest, barring Andrews, who's featured of late. Um, Spreer came on in the second half Morris was on the bench but um young what players that have been featuring in the under 23s this season that have been doing well uh not giving an opportunity and and do you think maybe that they um this is this is the right time of the season to, to start giving them a chance Jordan I mean if you're ever going to do it it's now but I think you know we have to be careful we've gone down this road of quite a few times as a fan base we have to be careful with our, or measure our expectations we talk about bringing these guys through um, you know, there's a, a couple of lads that are doing well on loan right now, and there's always that that call to to bring them back into the fold and and, and give them a chance for next year or even this year. And it's um, it's a big jump, and we're throwing them into a bad team. You have to remember as well, we're not, you know, we're asking a lot of them to come in and and make a difference for us. And I, I think when you bring them into the, a team that's performing and the environment, you know, by all accounts, is very toxic, and it's just not a great a great position for these guys to come through either. I think Blake travelled with the team. But um, yeah. ultimately, didn't get the uh, the position on the bench. Yeah, I saw the pictures of him warming up, kind of kicking the ball around a bit before the game, but not not in the in the final squad. Yeah, I, you know, he's he's one that's done well, and it's it's an experience to to travel with the team. There's some benefit for the, for him in that regard, and you know, I, I don't think it would have been much worse if you included them. But it depends, really. You know, if, if you're Chris Wilder, what's your necessary, what's your motivation? If you're not going to be here next year anyway, 
you, do you have much motivation to give youth a try and, and potentially um, put yourself at, at more risk of, of losing the game? I mean, we're at the point where does it even matter now? No. So maybe we'll see that in the next one. But yeah, I, it's it's hard to see um, exactly what way we'll go with that. But, you know, Wilder's given some opportunities to some younger players, obviously, um, Andrews being the, the main one there. So perhaps the last two we'll, we'll get the chance to see some of those guys and, and really see how far far off this um, this championship level they are and maybe they're better than we think they are. Mm. Blake scored today, incidentally, for the uh, the academy side. Okay, I saw I saw Arush and um, Ferreira were playing also, but I hadn't, I hadn't yeah. thought too much. Yeah, yeah. But what do you make of that one? I mean, Arush really hasn't had a look in since he's been here, has he? And uh, he, I suppose the fact that he came with so much, um, you know, uh, fanfare makes some some of us, me 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 in particular, <laughs> think that um, it, it, it was it's been a missed opportunity uh, to 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 not get him in the side, but. Um, I think he's probably regretting his decision to come as well. Yeah, bad, bad move. Um, bad move for the player. Bad move for the cl- both clubs involved. It's just not. It's just not worked out. Whether it's due diligence was not good enough, or you know, some some intangible we're not quite sure about. It hasn't quite worked out for him. But he's not. He's not looked. Um, he's not really looked up to it when he's featured, and he's not had the chance to kind of set that right too much either with consistent minutes. So it's it's a tough one for him. Um, I think it's probably a, a case of you know. Ben Manger and Helena Costa had some input this January window, some, not all of it by any means. There were players that weren't there, players that came in, but they, they were probably looking through options they had and and were aware that Arush is someone that was available for a loan and, and thought, you know, why not? There's an opportunity here and it hasn't quite worked out. Obviously, it's somewhat low risk. Hopefully, it's not done too much damage to that that relationship between Benfica and and our recruitment team, but um, it's definitely not one that's, that's been successful and it's kind of been a bit of a wasted six months for the kids. So I feel a bit sorry for him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a bad fit, I'm afraid. Well, at least Ferreira's had a friend to uh, converse yeah. in Portuguese yeah. with. You know. That's nice, yeah. yeah. That, that, that does help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, talking about the way that uh, a lot of fans are feeling at the minute, I've uh, been speaking to various people that I know that go to the club and, and some of them have indicated that they have decided not to renew their season ticket, which um, the journalist Simon Burnton, I don't know if you saw this piece from the Guardian Sport, Jordan, he wrote um, a little piece about his reasoning for for uh, dropping the, the Watford season ticket. And um, in general, he's, he's been saying that, uh, you know, he just feels as though there's no connection between himself and the players that he's seeing out there at the minute. And it's hard to, you know, to, to, to disagree with anything that he said, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's true. I mean, it's definitely a dark point uh, in that regard. In terms of you know feeling to, towards the club, and look, I think the thing I said during the game as well, actually, you know, there's there's been times we've been angry or disappointed or frustrated, but I think one real common thing that has been discussed quite a lot is just the feeling of indifference towards things, you know, lack of caring. You said it yourself; it's hard to care at this point that we do feel disconnected from the the playing staff, from the the coaching staff, from the ownership. There's no there's no bridge there anymore. It just feels gone. It feels uh, evaporated, and there's just this this void between us all, and it, it, it's difficult. I think it, it does kill motivation. I completely understand people wanting to drop their season tickets. Um, yeah, I mean it's justified. It, it's poor. It's it's not just about the fact that it's the worst finish we've had. It's potentially going to be the worst finish we've had since the the Potters have owned us. It's not just that. It's it's everything surrounding it. We can we can take bad seasons. You know, we're we we're, we're somewhat accustomed to it. We've seen the the team perform poorly. We've we've watched the team in relegation battles in the championship. But we were behind the team and everyone was engaged. And I've seen plenty of calls back for the the, the players such as Don Cowie and John Eustace and all these guys that were involved in those relegation battles mm. just a few years ago. Or you know, well, I guess not just more a few than years more ago than now, a few. I think, like, yeah. yeah, twelve, fifteen years ago, whatever it was, but. Um, you know, calling back to times of old, and that's this is really the first time we we've kind of had that vocalized as much this season, at least um, since since we've had this ownership, where suddenly it's the good old days rather than look at how far we've come. How do we get back there, Jordan? The team that the Pozzos inherited finished around about the same place with the same number of points that we're roughly going to be finishing with this season. So they've almost taken us full circle. Would it need a similar adjusting of how they took over that team previously, bringing, well, how many, how many did they bring in? Was it eight or oh, nine it? players? It almost, it was, almost even more. Was it more than that? Would, is that is that the type of quantity that we're going to need to, to change this uh, this team into something that we can be proud of again? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I don't think there's enough here that we can, you know, we talk about all the players that are going to be inevitably leaving this summer. Uh, we have to do a lot of changing. And unless we go into the next season extremely lightweight in a lot of areas and, and not much depth, then 
we have to make quite a few changes and bring quite a few quite a few guys in so it does take that i think what it takes for me is i think as big of a recalibration as it was when when they came in you know having a clear a clear goal set a clear target and a, and a clear means to achieve that target and hopefully we're seeing some of the steps taken towards that but you know we can be positive we can talk about ben manga and so on and, and say you know at least let's just hope that's an indication we're looking to change approach and looking to do things with a little bit more of a um a, a thought out kind of route rather than just this horrible improvised mess that we've we, we've led the last couple of seasons but I think a lot of us struggle to find that faith and trust within the ownership anymore. You know, we, we, we also felt this way very much last year um, when Rob came in and we, we got behind that, uh, that plan as a fan base, you know, we, we had the interaction with Duxbury and we were told about you know, the, the way the club felt towards a, a new direction and how we were going to achieve it. And we bought in, we, we backed that we were there. Uh, every fan was, and there might've been some frustrations with Rob, but we were fully behind um, the process. And it, it's hard now to take any sort of claim of, change too seriously we have to really wait until we see it because faith is is not there anymore so there is a lot to be done i think it is a solvable situation but it, it just depends you know how how humble can we be as a club and, and how easily do we admit to our mistakes and and correct them rather than you know falling down this 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 path of uh almost like a sunk cost fallacy where we just keep continuing because we've invested so much into a certain method which isn't panning out anymore. It's just going one way and that's that's down. Did you manage to catch any of the interview that has been uh, released with Ben Manga from the Watford Observer? It's been kind I've of seen, released in some. various chunks. Yeah, I'm not sure how many chunks have been out if I've missed any, but I have I have seen some. Yeah, I, see, I think at least the first couple I read. What's your um, opinion on what he's said? Yeah, from, I mean, from what from what the the parts I've seen at least is discussing, you know, his role and his his uh, almost remit essentially, you know, what he has control of or what he has input in, and you know, in, in a nutshell, he's ultimately in charge of of recruitment, um, whether that's a, from a player perspective or a, or a head coach perspective. You know, he's setting the, the the targets in both those areas. Now, of course, it's still it's still a democracy of a of a um of an ownership structure um so there will be input from others including Gino Pozzo, Scott Duxbury um and you know to ultimately sign off on these decisions but he is um he is in charge of identification first and foremost and that is a big thing um hopefully he has a, a large sway in these in, in these decisions and especially he touches on retention of coach as well which is important he also ruled out um the the fact that the reports of Watford talking to Francesco Farioli, he says that that's not the case, that they haven't had any discussions. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure because I, I, I have heard contrary to that. So I, maybe, I mean, I, you know, he, he doesn't have to say anything publicly. He can deny those things for sure. And, you know, I don't, I don't blame him for doing so necessarily. But, um, you know, I think the thing is with Ben Manga is it, that on the one hand, it'd be great if if he's given the freedom that we, we, we feel like he would need to be given to to actually demonstrate these these benefits that he brings from from a scouting perspective, from a recruitment perspective, from a from a um, a hiring perspective, these these are important. And if it's kind of hampered by the intrusion and and kind of confliction you get from the the larger group around, then it it becomes difficult even for him. Um, also, we have to consider too, it's it's a bigger job than he's had previously. Obviously, he did great work at Frankfurt, but in a more streamlined kind of focused role. This is much broader in a, from a footballing sense. He's 
he's covering more bases and he's you know there'll be a lot of firsts for Ben uh this year so I think we have to try and remain objective there's, there's kind of a split camp there's a lot of people that are you know very pro manga and and some that are kind of you know hesitant to to really think he's any good or believe anything that he says and I think we kind of have to be a little bit objective but in, it's the same as we really have to remain in regards to the club um and from the ownership point of view we have to see what actually happens and then judge it from there we, we can't judge on on the words that are said to us because they don't really hold enough weight anymore um you know, Manga's got a little bit of credit because he's new, obviously. He hasn't lied to us yet. <laughs> so maybe we're a little bit more open to, to listening to what he has to say. But uh, I think we judge him when he's had that full window. And if we if we can kind of figure out whether he's had the freedom required, then we can kind of have a better idea of what he's been able to do or what he's not been able to do. Um, and if I'm going to be positive, I'd say, well, at least, you know, at least we've, we've brought in a person to to act in a role which hasn't previously been at the club at least not with the same scope that the manga claims to have mm. he uh he also came out and said that um he won't be uh influenced uh or, or asked to to work with any one particular agent i think the question was probably relating to moggy byatt and uh how uh what would have been very reliant on him in uh, recent years despite the fact that there are several uh charges that have been leveled against him relating to corruption and, and things of that nature which uh, are still um in open court cases so we won't comment on them but those are the the charges that have been uh talked about but anyway um he said that he you know he's he's quite happy to use any agent he's not going to be um you know reliant on any one particular agent which um sounds good to um you know to a lot of what people that are you know reading this uh this interview yeah, let's see. Let's see. We'll we'll find out soon enough, won't we? It's not hard to find um, his clients if they come in. You know, we had it in January with Wesley Hoot. Um, these these things have been happening up until now. Let's see if it changes. He he can say that, and but you know he can also come out and if we did sign a buyout client, he could say you know I was a fan of the a fan of the player, and he just ha- just so happened to be a a, a buyout client. So you know he's not really saying too much there. He's just saying he's not forced to now that. Let's let's see how it plays out. I'm not convinced on that. Um, I think there's going to be a tendency to to still fall back onto what we know. Um, you know, the club have used him in in a weird way, not just for not just for kind of acquiring his players, but also as a mediator for us, as a as an intermediary for the club too, with with other players and other contracts and so on. So let's see. We're hoping for distance there, um, but I, I do think we'll be able to get a pretty a pretty good idea how how true that. Is. Is as the as the summer starts and and we get to see some of these moves behind the scenes take place. He uh he said that the scouting department is is the area that he's going to be particularly looking to develop and improve. And uh, he's brought people with him, uh, as we know, um, from Frankfurt. To, uh, in addition to the, the the team he already had, um, he very much is a, a man that's um more of the scouting ilk than the than the data led uh type. Um, what do you class it? Like the, the sort of the newer type of technical director. Yeah, I mean, I think I think data gets a it gets somewhat of a maybe a little bit overestimated in its in its use at times. I think I think data as a tool it's it's a, it's a newish tool. It's a newer tool, so it definitely had a little bit more heat, a little bit more momentum behind it as a as a way of identifying players. I think it's always been kind of applied in the same way as it's progressed, at least. You know, it's it's a way of um, it's another way to 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 assess a player in conjunction with other means. I don't think 
many clubs that have found the the success they have incorporating data is exactly that they're incorporating it into other means they have at their disposal and and, and using it in, it in its best method because data can also be misleading in its own way too if not read correctly or if not you know interpreted correctly is there's the level of interpretation that comes with it so as long as he's open-minded enough to include it where it can help us i don't think you have to have a necessary necessarily have a, a reliance upon it solely um but just being open-minded enough to to include it and i hope there's areas of our of a kind of recruitment side of things but you know just overall um um overall technical and and, and data analysis departments to, to have the freedom to expand where necessary and and kind of not really rule anything out and i think you know, even frankfurt they they've got a relatively sophisticated system in terms of identifying players which which would use a combination of data and video scouting to, to kind of come to those conclusions so hopefully a similar approach approaches uh, is brought to vicarage road and we and we see something uh along those lines that would be ideal mm. you also talk about um wanting more manager stability which uh is something that you know we haven't had for a very long time um you probably have to go back to javi grazia the last time that we kept a manager for yeah. Was that the whole season? Hold on. He I feel came like it, in January. No, it was the whole season. It was the whole season. It was the whole season. Okay, yeah. cool. Um but still, I mean that's a that's a fair that's a fair time to go back to. Um we know that Gino likes to get that manager bounce. He hasn't had it in two successive rolls of the dice now. I suppose you could say you know, the, the result at Stoke was kind of a manager bounce, but it died off very quickly. Do, do you think that he would be open to to working with Manga on, on, on this viewpoint of uh, having a, a, a more stable manager for the coming season? Well, I mean, hopefully, but we thought that regards to Edwards too. I mean, like, it just... We, we did, to, but, we but to... Manga is, um, is Gino's man, isn't he? So do you think that there may yeah. be a, more of a inclination to take his lead i hope so i mean look if if you're bringing him in to not listen to him then just don't bother you know that's that's the problem you, you can't really bring someone in like like ben manga and expect him to to work and be successful unless you give him the autonomy that's required and i think if he's identifying areas which need change or improvement and you're not listening to him then you're effectively wasting your money paying him a salary and uh, and investing in his ideas because you can't really go half measures when it comes to this sort of thing. If you if you bring in a project manager at a construction site, you you know you allow him to take the lead. You have that dichotomy of leadership, which allows them to make their decisions to to benefit the the, the club and the organisation as a whole, not to kind of interfere and so on. But you know we've seen we've seen previous of, of the owner kind of overstepping those bounds a little bit and and getting involved in areas where he perhaps shouldn't and that's what that's what gives us all concern i think that's that kind of goes back to what i'm saying is we have to we can only really believe what we see in front of us now when we, we actually have physical change rather than just talk of it one of his quotes is you might have one manager who likes to play four at the back another one who likes to be very offensive another one who wants to play three at the back this did not bring stability to the club and if you if you think about it from i mean his jo- his main job is to supply players for the team he does not want to be uh, having to, uh, you know, tear up the, the the plans that he's been making every single time a new manager comes in that wants to play in a different way. Yeah, this is exactly what we talked about a million times, isn't it? You know, you, it comes to when it comes to preparation. You have to identify the the way you want to play, and then you build everything around that. You build the you 
you have a, a a type of coach that plays a certain way bring you you bring those in you don't you don't work outside of those kind of restrictions for lack of a better term otherwise it does mess up everything unless you really are prepared to make a full change or there's a you know there's, there's enough flexibility within your squad to to have some change and a different approach and you feel that's a better direction to go down you're building towards it then fine but from a recruitment standpoint you want to be looking windows ahead knowing okay you know rob edwards might be gone or whoever might be gone but the next guy we get in is going to play, play with some similar principles we can still um we can still recruit down the same path and it, it kind of keeps all of your all of your lines and leave your targets intact without having to as you say rip it up and, and start again or find yourself where we have we just bring in talent for the sake of talent without any real fit talking of rob edwards his side is currently trailing one nil to middlesbrough which is almost half time there so uh <laughs> That's interesting. Linings, yeah. um, Archer with the goal. What could have been if it was him that yeah. came and not uh, not Keenan Davis? Mm. Anyway, I want to forget about this. Uh, but anyway, we move on to the, the next game. Um, unfortunately, we have to. Um, <laughs> it is... Uh, I've completely forgotten who we're playing. Oh, Sunderland away, Sunderland. actually. You know, it, oh, you know I'm... Um, I'm tempted to watch this one just because I haven't seen that game for quite a while. When was the last time they played Sunderland, John? Oh, God, there's a Premier League season, wasn't it? Um, maybe five years ago? I think it was more than that, wasn't it? Was it more? Six, seven years ago? God, yeah, time's gone by. We, I remember playing away. I remember going to the away game. God, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think what year it was. Was it Gracia towards the end of Gracia's time? It was this season, obviously. But before that, it was 2017. Um, Before that, it was 2017 uh, in the Premier League. Yeah. So um, how many years ago is that? That's six years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Six years ago. Okay. Back in uh, April of 2017, when we picked up a 1-0 win. Do you recall who scored that goal for Watford? Oh, God. 2017. I was at that game as well, but my mind has escaped. Um, I will, shall, I tell, shall I name you the team, the starting eleven? No, I don't want to be too easy. Was it Will Hughes? No, it wasn't Will Hughes, was it? No, no, it wasn't. Who was it? You want to just tell me? Put me up, put me up my misery. It was Miguel Brissos. Oh wow! wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Don't think you'd Fantastic. What we give for Miguel now, hey? Ha <laughs> He was a player, wasn't he? It was. It was a Gomez well, in goal, Britos, Kafkart, Holabas, Kabul, Kapu, Cleverly, Decore, Amrabat, Niang, and Akaka was the uh, was the starting eleven. What a team! What a team! It's an interesting sign, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah, I think this would be one that Tom would like to go see as well. Tom has some Sunderland connections himself. So he does, doesn't he? Flash. Yeah. Maybe he's going to that one. I'm not entirely sure, but. We will fight on um, and and try and find signs to talk about from the Sunderland game. But one thing, rest assured, there's always something going on with Watford. So there'll be stuff to talk about in this closing part of the season. I feel like once the season ends, once that last ball is kicked and pre-season preparation starts, then instantly, you know, we we start getting the rumours. We start getting the, the, the players that are leaving. We know the ones that are confirmed to leave. We start hearing about those that are going away and who's coming in. So then we can start perhaps looking at the something a little bit more positive or at least a little bit more interesting. So the the dark times are at least almost, well, maybe it's hard to say they're past, but the boring times are almost past and the fun should begin again shortly, we hope. We hope, we hope. But I see Luke O'Neill again. 
<laughs> yeah, it will. It will. Yeah. Well, maybe you'll uh, do an awesome two fan and um, score a, a goal against us or something. Put money on it. Put money on it. <laughs> okay, then. Well, that was uh, a, a relatively short podcast compared to uh, to our, our, our usual efforts. But um, you can probably tell from how our voices, <laughs> we're just not that keen to talk about any more of this season. There will be more podcasts to come, don't worry. We will be talking about the Sunderland game. And um, on the Monday, Stoke City. Uh, I wonder if Watford can uh, score four against Stoke again. Maybe. 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 I, I don't think so, but maybe. All right, Jordan, thanks for joining me. Um, Tom, uh, wherever you are, um, you lucky son of a gun, you missed this one. Um, <laughs> we'll make sure you're back for the next one. But uh, until then, um, don't give up. Hold it together, stay strong. We're going to be here as a podcast, continuing to grind through these last few weeks and then, and then the fun stuff starts. So... Stay tuned and we'll be back again as soon as we can. As soon as we can get all three of us together, new podcasts will be recorded, edited, and then we'll try and look for some fun things to include and some ways to keep this engaging. Even if the football can't, maybe we can still have some fun in the meantime. Couldn't have said it better myself, John. Well, that's it from me then. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 